Today, I have the pleasure of inviting my very first guest, Lily Lee, to the show. Lily and I have known each other for 10 years now. We both graduated from Lowell High School in San Francisco. We share the same experience of having to wake up super early at 5 something a.m. before sunrise so we can make it to our 7.35 a.m. class on time. There were also many late nights studying past midnight. But luckily for her, the hard work did pay off. She ended up studying at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business. Then, after graduating, she secured offers at KBMG and eBay. And since leaving eBay at the age of 24, she started her own business. Lily, you are like the prime example of what it's like to achieve the American dream. I think you have a very fascinating story to tell. Now, let's hear from you. Tell us about your beginnings. Thank you for the introduction, Felice. So I was actually born in China, and when I was five years old, I immigrated with my mom to the United States. And I basically grew up in Chinatown of San Francisco, and um, I grew up in a low-income family, so I had to work really hard to figure out how I was going to get to a good college and um, think about how I was gonna afford college education. And finally, I chose UC Berkeley because I got a scholarship called the Incentive Awards Program from UC Berkeley, which covered most of my college tuition. And I was also able to get other grants. So I was able to basically attend UC Berkeley on a full ride. So that was a major factor in my decision on why I wanted to attend UC Berkeley. And I also knew that UC Berkeley had a great business program called um, the Haas School of Business, like you mentioned it's ranked number two in the United States for its undergraduate program. So I thought that was a really good fit for my career. I've always wanted to study business because I had a lot of personal like business ideas. I think getting into UC Berkeley from Lowell, which is you know a really competitive high school, is already an accomplishment in itself, but you were able to get scholarships to fund your education. And while you were studying at Berkeley, I know that you founded the Finance and Entrepreneurship Club, while at the same time, you were working at Wells Fargo as a personal banker. And I think being a personal banker while studying is not an easy job. Um, You know, some people just, you know, straight off do this full time as a personal banker. Can you kind of tell us how did you manage to like balance both school and work? Yeah, um, so I went to Lowell High School, and at that time, I took a lot of AP courses, and fortunately, a lot of those AP credits were able to transfer to my college credits at Berkeley, so I was able to only go to class on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays while working full-time on um, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturday, and half day on Sunday, so that enabled me to do a bit of both, and I would kind of go to work, and then um, at in the evening, I would be doing a lot of my homework and studying for the next day. And it was okay for me to do that because I was already used to a heavy le- workload when I was at Lowell High School. So when I went to UC Berkeley, the workload there was comparatively less stressful. <laughs> I think <laughs> Lowell really prepared me well for college, I would say. And then um, for Finance and Entrepreneurship Club, I would basically get off work from San Francisco on Thursday nights and then um, take a bar back to Berkeley to hold our club meeting every Thursday. 
And that was really fun for me. <laughs> I laughed at first when you were talking about the workload being lighter in college. This is something that I can personally relate to, and I've talked to multiple alum- low alumni, and that's something that they can also relate to. Um, if they really had to compare their college workload with low, and talking about low really brings back memories for me, because like in my head, um, when I hear the word. It kind of plays a scene in my head where you know students would skip class, but when they skip class, they're actually hiding in the library studying for another test. <laughs> and another、um, question I am curious is that: Can you walk us through your job hunting procedure while you were in college?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So、um, at college at Berkeley, particularly, there was a lot of. People being very、uh, super ultra prepared ever since freshman year,、uh, going to a lot of career fairs, info sessions that a lot of different companies would have at our school, and I would be one of those people who started freshman year going to a lot of these info sessions and networking with a lot of these professionals. And I、um, knew about the Big Four during one of my first weeks when I was at Berkeley, and it seems like、um, a really good. Place to start my career because I was a business major and the Big Four had a lot of different、um, practices in accounting, audit, and advisory as well. And I was more appealed to the、um, advisory part of it.、And、then I would say, in the first years, I did internships、um, in accounting, and then when I was a senior, I went to one of these career fairs、um, for the Big Four, and then I also applied. On our career website at Berkeley, where a lot of these big companies would post their job listings on it, and then、um, the college recruiting season typically starts around September, I would say, and it was earlier for the Big Four. And I applied to all the Big Four, and I got an offer from KPMG、um, after, I would say,、uh, two rounds of interviews on site and、uh, one. Big super day at the KPMG office in San Francisco, and、um, I got the offer from them. And I liked KPMG the best because they really place a big emphasis on developing people, and they seem to be the nicest people、um, I've met <laughs> from all of the different interviews. So I decided to go with KPMG, and I、um, had an offer for their IT advisory practice. KPMG is among one of the big four accounting firms, along with Ernest and Young. Deloitte and PwC. Within KPMG itself, their areas of service is broken down into financial audit, tax, and advisory. And you so happen to be working in advisory. For those of our listeners who are listening but isn't exactly sure what advisory is, can you tell us what do people in advisory do, and why would like a company hire KBMG to advise them on their business, and essentially what types of problems are you hired to solve? So advisory is, I would say, another word for consulting. <laughs> so、um, there will be a lot of different types of advisory that we do.、Um, my team specialized in IT strategy advisory, so it was under management consulting. And other teams would do financial advisory, like you mentioned, or deal advisory, which did more of the mergers and acquisitions part of it. And companies would hire consultants because a lot of times. They might not have this type of function within their company. 
um, some companies might have a strategy team, but that's not the case for all companies. And also there might be hard problems or one-off kind of problems that they have to solve. So they don't want to have a full-time staff to take care of it. And they would hire from one of the big four usually to take care of solving this problem for them. Hmm, I see, I see. Um, you mentioned that you were doing IT advisory. And I've definitely noticed that in a lot of career informations that I've been to when I was an undergraduate student is that the question of, for example, you know, you're doing IT advisory. Do you have to come from a technical background? I.e., do you have to be like a major in computer science or informational system? And can you kind of highlight what are the things that the big fours are looking for in their candidates? Would you say that, you know, it's being able to show that you have very strong critical thinking and problem-solving skills and, you know, be able to process large amounts of information in a very short period of time? Or would it simply be just having a very positive attitude and demonstrating that, you know, you're hungry to learn? I would say the big four welcomes anyone to apply for their roles, although I do recommend that you have a background in either STEM, so like any of the science or technical, engineering, mathematical fields, or a business degree, it would help a lot. And they do look for people with a 3.5 GPA or above. I think for some companies, they look for 3.6 even. So um, you have to have a strong academic background. And also, I would say, um, I you don't have to have a very technical background. Um, people with business and economics degrees are usually also accepted. And for me personally, I had a business administration degree. And I think what really helped me get the job was um, my partner told me afterwards that he, he saw that I was really passionate about technology. And um, since our practice was an IT strategy, um, it really required people to have a passion for technology and all the other kind of hard skills could be learned on the job as long as you have that kind of attitude um, to learn and that passion for it. Yeah, definitely. I'm really a true believer in that, you know, any new skills can be acquired on the spot and learned if you just have the right mindset for it. And, you know, it's really important to show that you're passionate about something. And for you, how are you able to demonstrate your interest in technology? Was it through, you know, showing that you had a habit of reading technology news article, doing site projects, or through other extracurricular activities? Yeah, so um, it goes back to the Finance and Entrepreneurship Club. For that, I started the club because I wanted to have an opportunity for students at UC Berkeley to develop their startup ideas. And um, from the Finance and Entrepreneurship Club, I was able to lead a few teams that were able to develop their startup ideas. So that was kind of my segue into technology. And I did um, read a lot of technical um, kind of news or um, articles online related to technology and the latest um, innovations. I also think I was able to demonstrate it mainly through my answers and my interviews. So um, I was able to tell them why I was interested in tech and why it mattered to me. Yeah. Hmm. Now, diving in a little bit more deeply, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who are still in college or even out of college, they are interested in pursuing a career in advisory at one of the big fours. 
can you kind of walk us through the undergraduate application procedure and break it down to how much of it was technical questions and how much of it was behavioral questions and do you have any tips that you want to give to these people? I think things might have changed a little bit since um, I was interviewing but I can share my experience on it. So um, when I interviewed I would say EY and Deloitte as well as Accenture and um, Oh yeah, PwC, yes. So um, I would say the other ones besides KPMG had more technical interviews and um, they also had a case question that was part of the interview um, in both the first and second rounds. And then uh, for KPMG, it was actually mostly behavioral. So I would say if you're someone who's better at answering behavioral questions, KPMG is definitely the firm to apply for. And then... um, (laughs) I would say if you wanted to apply to any of the other ones, you should definitely brush up on your case interview skills. Um, there's a lot of great resources online um, where you can look at examples of case study questions and then practice responses to them. I also recommend um, thinking of possible behavioral and case questions that the people might ask you during the interviews and then um, preparing the answers for them in advance. You can practice with your friend, and I know um, some career centers at universities also provide mock interviews, so really take advantage of those resources there. I would also make sure that I look into the company's website to really understand what they do, um, read uh, read online about the articles about the latest news about those companies, and make sure that you really understand the team that you are applying for. Yeah. I think that's very helpful advice. You know, utilize the resources around you, whether it's um, looking up information online or taking your friend or your housemate to practice the interview with you. As for the case interview questions, can you give us an example of what a case interview question would potentially be like? and why companies ask you these type of questions. Essentially, you know, what are these companies trying to test you on? Some case interview questions are generally really vague and it's meant to be an ambiguous problem with no right or wrong answer. I think companies like to ask those types of questions to see your thought process as you are solving the problem. So you should be um, asking them questions in the beginning to clarify what is the problem that you're trying to solve? Asking like, um, why are we trying to solve this problem? What is the goal? And are there any restraints on this? Who are we solving this problem for? So all of these things can impact your solution. And then after you ask these clarifying questions, um, you should be going on to um, think about the customer or the goal you're solving for and describing a few of the, break the problem down into a few parts. And then for each of those parts, create a solution for the I would say an example might be, um, how would you improve TSA, um, which is like the um, kind of um, the TSA at the security uh, for the airport. And that would be like a very vague problem that uh, you probably have not been exposed to. And they kind of want to see like how you would break down, like how you would improve this uh, TSA with very little information provided to you. Like you said, there are tons of resources out there that can help you prepare for case interview questions in consulting. To name a few, there are um, one, case interview secrets. A former McKinsey interviewer reviews how to get multiple job offers in consulting. And two, the book Case in Point. And three, 
um, preplaunch.com where you can actually have mock interviews. Okay, now diving in a little bit more deeply, can you talk to us more about your experience at KPMG and what type of projects you worked on? And it'll be great if you can tell us what the client was that you were working on, but if you can't, you can just tell us what industry the client was in. Yeah, we would love to hear more about the details. Yes, I think um, we have signed NDA, so I, I shouldn't um, name the company. So I, uh, one of my main clients when I was at KPMG was a global e-commerce company. And then I was working on a project um, for them to um, help with their spin-off. So they um, sold one of their companies and they had to completely separate a lot of their IT infrastructure. And we were the program manager that was in charge of handling this project because they didn't have a team at that company to handle this. So that involved working with a lot of different cross-functional teams at that company. And um, those teams would be teams like um, IT infrastructure, um, engineering, product managers, marketing, finance, legal, and accounting teams as well. And then we would work with them to track and develop project plans for those um, for that program and then completely execute it um, based on the timeline that was originally provided. And there were other projects that involved IT transformations. So that might be um, something like they have a really old system and they want to evolve into a more modern, um, newer IT system. And then we would go in and do the gap analysis for them and then plan their future target operating model and then um, see how we could um, improve their IT systems. Hmm, that's pretty neat. Thanks for providing us an overview of um, what you did at KPMG. And so now let's talk a little bit more about how did your career progress after you left KPMG? After KPMG, I was offered a full-time position to work at eBay. And um, it was a position at eBay's global strategy team, which was really exciting for me because I've always been interested in e-commerce. And that team was doing really high-level overarching business strategy that wasn't constricted to um Uh, confined to IT itself, it would touch on a lot of different types of projects like marketing, how to improve the product experience at eBay, and also how to acquire um, particular types of uh, users to eBay, such as like how to get more millennial female users to be using eBay. So um, that was a really exciting job for me where I was able to work very closely with a lot of the senior leadership at eBay. Yeah, something that um, I'm actually very curious about and perhaps our audience is curious about is going back to the whole thing about KBMG. Do people start off at KBMG as a consultant, then move on to a more senior position like a senior consultant, then a manager, then a senior manager, managing director, then partner? And this is basically what they'll do for life. Or is it, you know, they'll work for the big four for a couple of years, have that brand name, acquire, you know, some skill sets, and then hopefully um, that will lead them to more career opportunities elsewhere at other companies. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. I would say probably 70 to 80% of people do only um, stay at a big four for a few years before moving on to an industry type of position because 
usually the industry positions pay a bit more <laughs> and um, is a <laughs> more attractive, I would say. But then I would say the remaining 20 to 30% do stay and become kind of promoted to become a senior associate and then later a manager. And eventually if you do make it to partner at a big four firm, it does become very lucrative as well. Hmm, I see. And then while you were at eBay, do you recall a moment where you were like, you know, maybe I'm not going to work for a big corporate company and instead, you know, I'm just going to take the sleep of faith and start something on my own as an entrepreneur? I would say um, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I had some ideas even before I joined eBay. I think um, the point when I wanted to really leave the company and to do my own business was when um, we finished a very big project and we had some kind of downtime and I I thought that was a natural point for me to leave the company to start my own business. Yeah, okay. And then I'm also curious as to how did you develop the conviction to have that courage to start your own business? I say this because, you know, at that time, you were only 24, and you pretty much had to give up, you know, one, a steady paycheck, and two, letting go of something, I would say, comfort and certainty to pursue something that, you know, may or may not work out in the end. Yes, for sure. I would say that was a very scary decision for me to make. And I I was thinking about it for months. And I think that um, eventually, because we were based in the Silicon Valley, and part of my job was also looking at a lot of the news about the latest startups that were popping up in the retail and e-commerce industry, I was really inspired by a lot of other successful uh, founder stories to start my own business. And Eventually, it just um, built up over time, and I decided to just take a leap of faith and to try it because I am still young, and (laughs) I feel like it's better to do it when I'm young than when I'm older, so I decided to just um, do it. Yeah, that's really true, though. Um, Like, you know, start taking risks when you're young because at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, you know, what do you have to lose? And you can always go back to applying for jobs. The company is always going to be there. It's not going to run away. Now, let's talk about your first business called Gen Consulting and Events. Um, The first event that you hosted was called Bay Area Influencer and Tech Innovators, which I was very lucky enough to be able to attend as well. And you were able to invite some really prominent guests speakers to be there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that event and other events that you've hosted it um, thereby after? Mm -hmm. Yes, so um, I would like to clarify a bit because um, after I left eBay, I actually worked on two separate businesses Mm -hmm. and um, one of them was Gen Future Consulting and Events where it was more for fun and meant to be a small business and I would have a lot of um, different events that I will host um, on a regular basis in the Bay Area. And I will also do kind of small consulting projects for people if um, different companies reached out to me, which they did occasionally. And the other main startup idea I worked on was called Ungifted, which was an e-commerce platform for high quality gifts that I curated. And the idea was to eventually build a predictive model where I could help people find the best gifts 
for their um, recipient. And for that one, um, I was able to build a website um, and develop the whole product experience from beginning to end. And I negotiated a lot of deals with um, different vendors to provide me with wholesale prices for some of the gifts. And I um, did a lot of the social media marketing on my own. But going back to your question, um, yeah, so my first event for uh, Gen Future Consulting and Events was called Bay Area Influencers and Tech Innovators. And I was able to invite a lot of really great um, founders of cryptocurrency funds, dating apps, and also um, one of Oculus's first engineers, Jack McCauley. Um, so Oculus is a VR company that's owned by Facebook, for those of you who are not familiar with it. And we were able to create a very um, great event where they shared a lot of the success stories of how they started their businesses. And then um, a lot of people were able to network with them afterwards and learn more about technology and VR. And then later on, I hosted a few comedy shows, um, some of which had really funny themes like crazy hilarious Asians and subtle Asian dating, which were very popular to the Bay Area. And I did those more as a way to build a community around the people, for the people in the Bay Area, because I noticed that there were not a lot of fun events for people to go to in the Bay Area. And I wanted to be the one provided, providing them with these experiences so that they can meet other people. Yeah, I think that's a spectacular idea. I did notice that because of Silicon Valley's demand for software engineers and data scientists, it's really attracted like a lot of people from like different parts of the world, whether it's people from the East Coast or even abroad. And joint consulting and events um, using that as a platform to really connect the Silicon Valley community together is actually great. And it's great that, you know, the events that you hosted had great turnouts. And another thing um, that you were actually starting to do when you were building your own business was that you actually started joining beauty pageants. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience joining beauty pageants, what you learned from it, and perhaps some memorable moments for you? I think um, when a lot of people think about beauty pageants, they see it as a very shallow thing and a very glamorous kind of thing. But then when you're actually doing it, um, I think a lot of my pageant sisters and I would agree that we are actually doing it to improve ourselves. And it is very painful to be in high heels every day. And we would train for many hours every day. And a lot of us would be trying to diet and um, I, I will say for me, I always try to keep a very healthy diet. So I'd never really starve myself, but I just um, lower the amount of calories I ate, but made sure that I was eating healthy. And I also made sure I exercise a few times every week and that really helped. Yeah, it's definitely good to eat healthy and have a consistent exercise routine in place. Overall, I'm sure you'll feel a lot better and a lot sharper. All right, Lily, you're definitely a well-accomplished person. You graduated from Berkeley, worked at the Big Four and eBay, won awards in beauty pageants, and even started your own business. You know, this is all really amazing. You should really give yourself like a pat on the back. But I'm kind of curious, you know, throughout this whole procedure, where was it, you know, all sunshines and rainbows? 
or were there any moments where you actually doubted yourself or were there any challenges or hardships that you had to face and overcome that you can share with us? Yes, for sure. So um, I would say for the... Um... For starting my own business, there were definitely a lot of moments where I was doubting myself because initially it was really hard to get the first sales going. And then um, eventually um, for Ungifted, I was able to see that I wasn't getting as much traction as I had hoped. So I had to make the difficult decision of shutting down the business and going back to finding a career in tech. And that was a very um, kind of a hard time for me because I spent a lot of time trying to build this and I really hope that it will work but I think as you all know um, most startups do fail and especially since it was my first startup however I would say um, I'm glad that Gen Future Consulting and Events my other business is pretty successful actually so I think I'm gonna continue to be running that one so um, one out of two succeeded <laughs> and then uh, um, I would say during the pageant experiences um, it was also a time where I was really doubting myself because I did lose a lot of pageants and um, before I eventually won the Miss Silicon Valley one and um, for those experiences, it was really tough on me because I was spent so much time kind of learning a dance to perform for the talent and losing so much weight and really training myself. But then when you're on stage in front of a thousand people and then the results are announced and I realized that I had lost, um, it was really hard for me. And um, there were times when I cried behind the stage, but I try not to show people that um, in front of the stage. And then um, having the courage to try again I think um, really helped me kind of face the failures and to improve myself every time. And I would say also job hunting in general, I understand it's really hard and I'm going through a lot of that right now. And I am trying to improve myself with every interview and to really prepare in advance for every company that I'm applying to. And make sure that you're always just having a positive attitude and know that everything will um, eventually work out in the end. Yeah, I agree with you that it's so important to keep on going and keep on striving while maintaining a very positive attitude, even though that you might be facing some setbacks. And if it doesn't work out the first time, try the second time. And if it doesn't work out the third time, keep on trying. Try until you've really reached the outcome that you want to see. And to wrap this up, can you tell us what is your take on the idea of careers are jungle gyms and not ladders? So to me, that phrase means your career might not be staying in one company and getting promoted all the way to the top until you become CEO. I think for most people, um, your career is more like a jungle gym because you jump around to different companies, different roles, different industries. But um, hopefully with each jump, you're getting a little bit higher and improving yourself. And thank you for listening to the podcast Jungle Gym Career. Remember to hit that like and subscribe button so you can tune in for the next episode and we'll be able to hear from the founder of a venture capital firm. Thank you.